and welcome to episode two of the Chronicle of the Horse podcast. I'm Molly Bailey, senior reporter for the Chronicle of the Horse. As the temperatures start to drop and the show schedules start to thin out, it can only mean one thing. It's November, which means it's time for No Stirrup November. This year, the Chronicle is celebrating this annual tradition with the Cough Lose the Leathers Challenge, challenging riders to drop their irons for at least a portion of their ride 12 times during the month of November. Those who participate in the challenge will be entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes, including our grand prize, a lesson with equitation guru Stacia Klein Madden. This podcast is brought to you by Kickapoo Ponies. Kickapoo Ponies breeds and develops competitive circuit ponies available for sale or lease. Your first pony is a stepping stone to the equitation ring, the junior hunters and jumpers, the adult and amateur owner divisions, the Grand Prix, or to endless fun weekends at the barn. Visit their website, kickapooponies.com, and find your next well-mannered, well-bred pony. Thanks also to our Cough Loose Leather sponsor, Hollins University. In today's episode, we're welcoming Stacia Klein Madden, whom we profiled in the November 18th issue of the Chronicle of the Horse magazine. Stacia's successful junior career was highlighted by a win in the ASPCA McClay Finals in 1987, and she became a professional rider and trainer out of Beacon Hill Stables. While Beacon Hill has students of all ages who excel in all three rings, Stacia is perhaps best known as an equitation trainer. She's trained loads of top junior riders, many of whom have gone on to successful careers as professionals or as top amateurs. Beacon Hill graduates include Lucy Delorier, Jessica Springsteen, Madison Getzman, Karen Pole, Elizabeth Benson, Sloan Coles, Brianne Goutal-Marteau, and many others. Stacia, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Molly. Talk about the role of equitation training and learning to ride. Why is it important? So I really believe that the definition of equitation is just good riding and fundamentals going back to basics. The equitation ring really makes riders focus. You learn how to work in some pressure situations. When you're showing in a class, it's called the Washington Hunter Phase. You get a chance to learn about the hunter rules as it applies to equitation. When you're doing the Washington Jumper Phase, you're going to get an introduction to some of your jumper rules. When you're doing the USCT class, that's really jumping seat equitation. And when you get a chance to do your metal, your McClay, your age group, your PHA classes, you're getting a real introduction into hunt seat equitation. So I feel like the equitation is a great platform to be able to teach kids to go on and build on their riding career. That makes sense. You have so many students who have been remarkably successful. Which of your accomplishments as a trainer are you most proud of? I think I'm proud of them all. Anybody who stays with the sport in some fashion when they age out as a junior is something that I take great pride in. Whether they decide to become a professional trainer or whether they turn amateur, whether they get to be a professional rider and maybe represent the team, or if they just go on to show it or collegiate shows and be a strong representative for their school. There's just so many ways to take your riding to another level. I think one of my most emotional accomplishments was being able to work with Elizabeth Benson and have her win the Washington finals. But there's been so many 
any one rider's accomplishment when they reach their goals gives me great satisfaction. So you had a really successful ju- junior career in your own right. You won your regional one year and ASPCM at McClay finals another. Do you reflect back on your time as a junior and use some of those experiences to inform your coaching? I do, for sure. Times have changed so much that there's so many differences, but I definitely identify with what it was like to be a junior rider and ride in all of those different competitions. The only class that's run now that wasn't available when I was a junior was the Washington Finals, which is one of my favorites. But I'm always thinking about what I felt like in those circumstances. And I think one of the times that becomes most beneficial is I really remember what it felt like when you were getting close to your last junior year and you had all the unknowns on the table of applying for school, maybe having to change your involvement in riding. And when you're trying to really focus on your last finals, knowing that your junior career is coming to a fork in the road where your riding is going to change. I remember how much of an upheaval that felt like. And I try to really identify the kids in that transition. So I think for sure, all of my training along the way, I'm reflecting back to experiences that happened to me when I was a junior rider, even though it was long ago. <laughs> Let's talk about no stirrups here for a minute. We constantly hear that riding without stirrups strengthens your lower leg. How does riding without stirrups fit into your program at Beacon Hill? I use riding without stirrups as a fundamental way to get kids really connected with their horse. So the minute we're having a trouble with some sort of flat work, whether it be the leg yield or the turn on the haunches or the counter canner, one of the first things I will do is ask the riders to drop their stirrups and do the movement at a slower gait and then reach back up to the gait that we were working with. And I just think when you're working without your stirrups, it's really able, you're really able to get connected with the horse and wrap around the horse. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons that you heard Molly Ash Colley as one of the judges of the USET finals this year state that they chose to have the flat phase done without stirrups. It wasn't necessarily a strength exercise or an endurance race. It was wanting to see good connected flat work. That makes sense. Are there caveats to riding without stirrups? Times you shouldn't do it? I would say that you would never want to work without stirrups on a day when your horse was being extremely fresh or maybe in really inclement weather. I also would probably be cautious on riding without stirrups if you happen to be on a horse that day that was recovering or had chronic back issues. Other than that, I think working, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes a day without your irons in as long as you're making good choices with the environment and the, the temperament of your horse on that day, you should be in good shape. because they're fearful that they're going to lose their balance. And if it happens to be a jumping test, the horse ends up having to work a lot harder when you're not working with the appropriate pace. 
So I try to reinforce the idea of that working with a little bit of pace is going to make your job, your horse's job easier, and therefore it's going to be easier for you to stay with them. And the other thing I think is helpful when you're riding without your irons is to make sure that you're keeping your legs a little bit short because they have a tendency to slide and get too long, and then it's hard to get up off the horse's back. And make sure that you're not pinching primarily with your knee, but that you're trying to keep contact in your thigh, your knee, and your lower leg. In the Cough, Lose the Leathers Challenge, we have many adult amateurs who are participating. Do you have any tips for amateurs who are looking to make the most out of their time in the saddle? I would applaud amateurs that wanted to ride without their stirrups because most of the amateurs, when they ride with me, saying that once they become an amateur, that they don't have to ride without their stirrups anymore. Uh, they joke that that's a, a junior test. But I think if you're using that exercise with, you know, being an adult, as long as you're, you're fit and you've stretched properly before you get on, that riding without your stirrups as an amateur is equally as beneficial as it is when you're a junior. Excellent. Switching gears again, um, talking about your students, how do you help your students put their junior career into perspective so that it doesn't feel like the be-all, end-all when they turn 18? I think the whole year or the whole time spent with riding with me as a coach, the focus is not about the ribbons or the competition as much as achieving either short or long-term goals. And oftentimes those goals are not about winning competitions. There are goals about figuring out how to ride a broken line better or figuring out how to test better or bringing your horse along to a stage where you feel confident going into a ring and riding a course that is a finals caliber course. And I think along the lines when you're making good short and long-term goals that are not necessarily about winning or how the competition places you on that day, you just end up having a healthier outlook and a better relationship with your horse. And then the good classes end up coming your way. And I think as long as the kids aren't getting wrapped up in the results so much, but in being a better rider and trying to take this age or this these years of their riding to be building blocks towards what they might have planned for them in the future, the disappointment of a bad horse show or a bad class is a little easier to take. And none of my goals usually stop with a kid in their junior years. I'm always assuming that they're going to keep riding in some way, some fashion, whether it's at school or whether it's on Thanksgiving or Christmas break when they come back during a break so that there's not that line in the sand of where the kids feel like their riding has to come to a screeching halt. That makes sense. Are there intrinsic qualities that you see, aside from riding skill, that help students really excel in the equitation? I think riders that love attention to detail and they love to pick apart a course instead of just jump around. You know, I have this phrase, dive bomb jumping, 
anybody who really has focus on becoming a better rider and wanting to learn the nuances of the sport really seem to end up excelling. And I think a lot of times when the kids make the move into the junior ring, that they love jumping the more complicated courses that the equitation have to offer, but at three foot six and three foot nine, as opposed to four foot or four foot six, whatever their jumper classes might be. As a trainer, what do you think is more important, having natural talent or being trainable? I would say that I would take a rider that works hard over a kid that is talented, that doesn't work hard all day long. And I think that work ethic goes hand in hand with being trainable. So I've worked with kids that have all the talent in the world, but if it's not on their roster to try to be better or to achieve their short-term goals, they can end up staying a little bit stagnant where you can take a rider that has hard work and perseverance and passion and dedication and have them achieve some small short-term goals rather quickly, which end up leading to a great learning curve and you see enormous progress. A trainer is much more than someone who just tells riders to put their heels down. You're a major figure in your students' lives. How do you handle mentoring your teen students and helping them navigate the pressure of competing at the top level? Riders do spend a tremendous amount of time with their riding coaches. So I take trying to be a role model for these young riders of today very seriously. And I think that the staff that I surround myself with also takes it very seriously. And your, your hope is that these kids are not only learning about riding and what it takes to become a better rider when they're in the show ring, but the relationship with their horse and their peers and their coach is also helping them just learn about everything that happens in everyday life. The thrills of a great class, the agony of a terrible class, things that can go wrong when your partner and your horse are unhealthy and you have to see them through that, the decisions that have to be made to manage a horse's career properly and treat them as a real athlete and the rider treating themselves as a real athlete. We're trying to show them the road a little bit by being a manager to their career along with also being a riding coach and we're also managing their horses and their horses careers. So it's just so multifaceted the amount of experiences a rider can have when they're riding at the top level. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Stacia. It's been a real pleasure. It's been great. I really appreciate having the opportunity. Thank you. That's our show. We'd like to thank you for listening to the second episode of the Chronicle of the Horse podcast. We really appreciate Stacia Klein Madden for joining us today. And we'd like to remind you that you can participate in the Cough Lose the Leathers Challenge by visiting facebook.com backslash groups backslash cough lose the leathers. You can also visit the show notes to this episode for a link. We'll be looking forward to our next episode this January, and in the new year, we'll be releasing new shows every month. If you missed the first episode where we talked to Packy McGowan and Dr. Jenny Susser about safe sport, you can find that episode at www.cough.com. 
and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please do follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Crown of Horse. Thanks for listening.